I am an avid Pittsburgh Pirates baseball fan. In 1979, they won the World Series, and I celebrated with them. I was only eight years old. They became my team, and they have been my team ever since. Now, a question for each one of you. When do you think was the last time the Pittsburgh Pirates won the World Series? 1979, exactly. When I was eight years old. They have not won since then. But the whole time I was growing up, I was always able to rip on the Chicago Cubs fan. So if you're a Cubs fan, I want you to know I don't like you. Um, I love you because God tells me, but I don't like your team. And I always kind of got the last word with the Cubs because my team had won and their team had not won since 1908. But then all of that changed in 2016. In Game 7 of a World Series, a third baseman threw a ball across the field to a first baseman and he caught it and the world erupted with joy. It was 107 years that they had a drought, the longest drought ever in baseball for a team. But when that third baseman threw the ball across and the first baseman caught it, everyone celebrated. I actually watched the game myself. I was pretty excited for all of my Cubs friends because I had matured a little bit since I was eight years old. And then after that, if you remember, there were tons of parties and celebrations that took place in Chicago because he caught the ball. You know, it's amazing to me what we find joy in. Our sports team wins and we go crazy. We get a scratch-off ticket in the lottery and we win two bucks and we go nuts. We actually have the opportunity to get a free Jimmy John's uh, sandwich, and we are so excited. And for all of us, when we have these kind of things, we erupt in joy. Now today, I don't want to diminish some of those small things that we have celebration in, but what I want to talk about today is a joy that not even a goat can destroy. A joy that is greater than a scratch-off ticket that you win. A joy that is greater even than a free Jimmy John sandwich. Now, the truth is, if we think about this past year, there has not been a lot for us to be joyful about. The COVID pandemic, racial uh, injustice, We've seen political unrest. We've seen divisions that have transpired throughout our country. And there's just not a lot that people are actually able to smile about or to laugh about. And even when we do, we have masks on and we can't see what the other person's expression is. And there are people who have been living through some very difficult times, unlike any that we've ever seen in the history of our world. And across the world, there has been so much death and destruction and violence and upheaval. 
And so we come to uh, leading up to Valentine's Day when we talk about love and there's joy and all of that. And the question that I have for us this morning is this. Are there any reasons for joy in our world? When it comes to you and it comes to me, are there any reasons for joy in our world? Well, today I want to talk about what I think are three reasons why you can have joy in your world and why I can as well. And the first one is this. If you want to put it on your app, you can or you can write it down. And it's this. And the greatest joy that we have is knowing this, that God is the author of joy. God is the one who created joy. God is the one who invented it all. I mean, the reality is God does have a sense of humor. Scripture actually tells us that God laughs. Think about that, that he likes to have fun. And we see that in his creation. For example, just look at this picture real quick of an aardvark and a platypus. Now, you can't look at those two animals without laughing because you're like, oh, my gosh, they're crazy. They're nuts. Look at that. And what was God thinking when he created that? Well, what he was thinking was he wanted you to have a moment where you could laugh, that you could enjoy, that you could have some fun. Scripture says this, complete joy is in his presence and strength and joy are where he is. Joy is where he is. Every time that you sense God, his joy is present in that moment. But the problem is that church history hasn't always shown us this to be true. Uh, Some of you, when you were growing up, think about this. If you ever were doing something really fun... Did you think to yourself, this just might be wrong? Like, I don't know, but if I'm having too much fun, it might be wrong. I think about it uh, when it comes to church. Uh, Growing up as a kid, even though my dad was a a pastor, it it was kind of a, a pretty kind of strict church. And so there wasn't always, you know, a lot of fun and laughter that happened. And if you laughed in church, you got an evil eye. But one Sunday, no one in the church could not help from laughing. Naomi Bragg, who always had her one spot, and if you sat in her spot, she would tell you to move. She was sitting there when in the middle of my dad's sermon, she started going like this. got so loud she's snoring in church that they tried to turn up the PA and it would not go over her and everyone started erupting in laughter and yet people were looking around going why are you doing this because they're snoring so if you're snoring up in the balcony today we can hear you down here okay so don't do that But the reality is, folks, that many times church history and funny things that happen in church, we just have a tendency to forget to laugh. Folks, you know, I think the truth is, is that for many people, 
The reason why they don't laugh is because they've had a bad experience in church or with Christians. For many people, they kind of think that God is this old crotchety kind of man who is a father who's angry and mad, and he's kind of up in heaven, and he looks down on planet Earth, and as he looks down, he has this godly voice that says, They're having fun. We must stop this. And then they look, and he looks down, and he goes, Look at Joe. He's having fun. Look at Jane. She's having fun. And there's this whole sense that we believe God is from heaven looking down, trying to make sure that we have no fun in our life. Folks, God is the author of joy. He wants us to take ourselves a lot less seriously and to take him very seriously in his words. But the problem is, is that there is an evil one who goes to great lengths to try to keep us from having joy. There is one who hates God. There is one who hates joy. And have you ever noticed this often, this tempter comes on Sunday mornings when we're getting ready for church? Have you ever had that before? You're getting ready for church, or you're getting all ready, and all of a sudden there's this tension and this fight that takes place. For those of you who are on the stream, uh, I've seen this before, where uh, our family, uh, after I taught the first celebration, and I'd go home and during the pandemic, and I'd get home, and everyone would get ready for church, and I was like, oh, I think it went well, and people would start talking and getting mad and angry, and it just wasn't healthy. And the reality is, is that many times when we're getting ready for church or we're in church, there's this tension that happens because God is excited about this. Can, can anyone relate with what I'm talking about here? Okay. Anyone? Anyone in the balcony? Those of you? Okay. Uh, the, the truth is we all have this sense that the deceiver comes when we're trying to get ready to do something filled with joy. Have you ever had this experience before? You finally get the kids in church and uh, or grandkids and you get them in the back and you're driving when all of a sudden you look in the rear view mirror and those sweet little children look like they're demon possessed and they're going after each other and you begin to start seeing this tension taking place. And you look back there and they're arguing about something that doesn't matter whatsoever. And they will begin to start looking at one another and going, Dad, she's sitting on my side. Dad, she's breathing on me. Dad, she's looking at me. When this happens, sometimes within me, when Jordan and Shiloh are fighting in the back seat and they're saying, she's looking at me, I just want to tell them, I don't do this because I'm a good parent, but I want to just look at them and tell them, well, just poke her eye out then. You know, like, just get it over. Just poke it out. Get rid of it. Go on. Now, I don't do that, but it doesn't mean that I don't think it sometimes. Folks, there is an evil one who is constantly trying to take joy away from your life. And he's constantly prowling around to see if he can get you to realize that God is not the author of joy. And it's easy for us to fall into that. 
Now, the truth is, though, if God is the author of joy, our faces actually should reveal that to our neighbors, to our friends, to uh, our co-workers, to the people around us. 1 Peter 3.15 says this, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So let me ask you this morning, what does your face say about the hope and the joy that you have in God? Because let me tell you, People will only ask you about your experience with God if you actually have a face that looks joyful and looks like it's welcoming to someone else. I mean, if you have a face that is filled with joy, then show it. Allow about your hope that you have in God to reflect that joy to the people around you. I mean, no one gets excited about a face like this. I've been a Christian for 37 years. It's great. I am so happy to be with the Lord. Can I tell you about it? What? What? Like when people uh, come across like that as a Christian, I've seen it so many times. This is what I want to tell them. I want to tell them that they need to send some missionaries to their face. To like tell them about the good news that they actually have. You know, in a year where there's been so much death and destruction and so much violence and difficulty, people, honestly, they're searching for joy. I mean, I can't think of a time in the history of our nation since I was born that people haven't been desperately longing for some joy, for something that will bring hope, something that will give us strength. And let me just tell you this, for every single one of you, uh, joy is not found in a political party. Uh, Joy is not found in the possessions that we have. Joy is not found in the... Financial security that we have. That's not where joy is found. Joy is found every single time in God and his words. And the reason why we encourage you to be ready to read this daily, it doesn't have to be long, but for you to read it is so that you can have joy in your life. Joy comes from God because he is the author of all joy. And let me just say this, that if you're a Christian, that if you're telling yourself, I'm a follower of Christ, then represent him in such a way where you have a joyful heart and you take yourself not so seriously. Also, uh, for those of you this morning, if you're a parent or you're a grandparent, do you know what one of the greatest legacies you can leave for your kids is? Joy. That they would have enough experiences in your life that you could go through life being filled with joy and having moments that are just kind of hilarious. For example, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were getting ready for dinner and sometimes we actually sing a blessing before uh, we eat. 
And that particular morning, I'd been reading in Numbers uh, chapter 6, where God actually gives uh, to uh, Moses this blessing of a song. And so that night, I thought to myself, this is going to be great. I'm going to be able to sing this song. And I'd remembered this scripture from the a cappella choir that sang this in the college that I attended. And so have you ever had that moment before where you get a song in your head and it sounds really good and you just can't help but sharing it with other people? So we sit down for dinner and I go, guys, I I have this blessing that I want to sing today. And they're all like, oh, dad, this is great. And so we all sit down. We're very serious. And all of a sudden I start singing these words. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. And if you think that was bad, it was worse a couple of weeks ago. And all of a sudden, both of my girls, they erupt in laughter. They're like, Dad, you're an idiot. You can't sing. This is horrible. They're saying all this stuff. And I get a little sensitive sometimes. I get just a little sensitive as a male because I'm trying to make this moment for my family. I'm a pastor, you know. I'm trying to bring God into this whole thing. And they're laughing at me and I'm getting angry. And I look across the room like I don't say anything, but like, Jennifer, you better do something. You better come through in some way. And she can tell I'm getting mad. And she's like, girls, girls, your dad's really trying to help us with this moment. And so let's try again. Just let's all stop. And everyone gets quiet. They get very serious. And then I continue on with the song. And this is the next phrase that I said. The Lord lift his countenance upon you. Now you should be laughing right now. You should be like really laughing. Because there is a big difference between the word continence and countenance. Okay? Like men have issues with incontinence. There's a whole other thing. If you're continent and countenance, and all of a sudden Jen goes, do you know what you just said? And we burst out laughing, and everyone's talking, and we're laughing, and they're like, Dad, never do this again in public. And, of course, I just did it right now. Because all of a sudden we created a moment, and it was awesome, and we're all laughing. And this is the kind of home that Jen and I are trying to create. It's a home where it's okay to not be okay. We want to have a family where it's okay to not be okay. And it's a place where you can feel safe and you can laugh at yourselves. Like, I want my girls to go through life being able to laugh at themselves and not take themselves so seriously. So God is the author of joy. That's why we can have it. And then secondly, and you can write this down, the second reason we can have joy in this earth is because perfection is not a requirement. Perfection is not a requirement in the kingdom of God. Uh, Folks, you don't have to be perfect. It's okay to not be okay. But I have a feeling that there are a number of you who are in this auditorium today, 
And I have a feeling that there are several of you that are on the stream right now where the reality is you wake up every day and you have these expectations that are higher than what God even has for you. And you have this sense that you have to be perfect as you walk through this day. And I understand that because I'm a recovering perfectionist myself. There are many times in my life where I just think that I need to be more than what I actually am. And then I have to be reminded that perfection is not a requirement. You see, folks, there is not a perfect friendship. There is not a perfect work environment. There is not a perfect marriage. There is not a perfect time that we have in our relationship with anyone. And like I said, I understand, I understand this because I battle perfection. And do you know what that means? I'm anxious a lot. I battle anxiety because there are many times that I just don't think I measure up and I want to be something more. For example, every single time that I stand on this stage, there's a piece of me that is so nervous and anxious because I want to be perfect because I love you guys. And it's been such a difficult year, and I don't want you to take all of your time to come here and go through the the mask and all of this stuff that is just a struggle. And for you to get here and not have something that you can take to your life and to walk through it in a different way. And there are many times in which I just think, well, I want it to be perfect, but this is the truth that I know. I've never taught a perfect teaching, and I never will. And some of you are like, yep, we know that. That's true. All right, thanks for the encouragement today. Um, But there are some Sundays, and and like today's one of them. I woke up, and I was like, God, I want to do it. And then all of a sudden, I I sensed the Holy Spirit, not in my uh, verbally or audibly, but just in my spirit. Chris, I'm more than enough. You just do the best that you can, flaws and all. And in the moment when I can say I'm a flawed person, I I may not be the best God with everything today, but would you use me? He's always willing to meet me in that place. But you know, there's many times, more than not, that I try to force things and I try to have this perfectionistic expectation. Just a sign of hands real quick. Any perfectionists in this place today? Just raise your hand. Okay, see, you're, you think, well, I'm too perfect that I may not raise my hand. You know, like people might see that. But, but we do. We, we have this tendency. I just want you to know this morning, folks, that there is no such thing as a perfect person. There is no such thing as perfect people. Now, Uh, Those of you on the stream right now, if you're in Muncie, if you're in Yorktown, uh, Parker City, somewhere in Delaware County, maybe in a surrounding county, wake up, okay? And what I'd like you to do is to look at the people in the room that you're in, or if you have pictures of people, if you're by yourself, look at those pictures. And all of you in the auditorium, I want you to look at the people beside you right now. Go ahead, look at them. Now, I know this. You look at them and you might think to yourself, they have it all together. But I want to let you in on a secret. Guess what? They don't. They don't at all. These people have done things, said things, and thought things that would shock you. 
And do you know why I know this? Because I'm a pastor and some of you have told me about some of your messed up stuff. And now we're going to show it on a screen right now. I'm joking. We're not. We're not going to do that. But, but we all have. And you know what's the truth, folks? The guy that's talking to you right now has done things and said things and thought things that would shock you as well. Because the truth is, none of us are perfect. We're all imperfect people, and we are seeking a perfect God. And because of that, that's why we can have joy. We're imperfect, but he is the perfect one. And there is no such thing as a perfect person. There's no such thing as a perfect friendship. There's no such thing as a perfect relationship. There's no such thing as a perfect marriage. For example, Jennifer and I do not have a perfect marriage. I'm not perfect, and Jen's not perfect. Now, she's a lot closer than I am, but nevertheless, you know, uh, she's still kind of far from it. We argue, we fight, we say hurtful and stupid things to each other all the time, and we do this on a weekly basis. I remember uh, one time giving a teaching when I was in my early 20s, and I was, uh, it was called a revival. I always thought it was kind of weird because it would be these churches that they didn't really want revival, but they paid me money, so I went and did it. And I did my best to try to do that what I could. And I was trying to talk about marriage and how uh, Jennifer and I had a very, very normal marriage. We argued, we fought, we had all kinds of stuff. Well, after uh, that particular uh, message, a little old lady comes up to me and she grabbed my hand. Have you ever had little old ladies like that? They grab your hand, but they pull you close. Like you don't think they have any strength. And all of a sudden they pull you close and she pulls me in. And then she looked at me straight in the face and she goes, Pastor, I'm so sorry that you and your wife fight. My husband and I were married for 62 years and we never had a single fight. Now, at that point, I should have just been like, oh, thank you. Can I learn from you? But, you know, sometimes I I don't do that. And so I, I looked at her, and this is what I said. I said, well, I am so sorry for you because you never experienced the joy of making up. Do you know what I'm talking about? And I'm like there, like, you know what I'm talking about? And you see her, she's like, whoo! And she kind of like walked away. And she was out of the church, you know, like that was it. Um, (laughs) I'm messed up. All right, well, good thing we're talking about this today. Um, But folks, she didn't get it. She didn't get it. I just want you to know that if you're in a marriage right now and you're having a tough time, like it's a tough season, I want you to know that marriages, good marriages, really, really good marriages, are never absent of conflict. If you're in a marriage and there is no conflict, you should see if the other person has a pulse, okay? Because they're probably dead. Um, A good marriage happens when two people lean heavily on the source of joy and they work through their conflicts in that way. And they realize that even in marriage, it's okay to not be okay. Each uh, Friday night, we have an opportunity uh, here at the JAR at our ministry center where marriages can try to get better. And I've always encouraged that. Jen and I have always invested in our marriage in multiple ways. And it's called Fight Club. 
Now, you might say, what, are, are the spouses going to fight? We already do that at home. We don't need to go somewhere to do that. Uh, no, the whole focus of this ministry is for you to fight for your marriage. So if you're interested in being a part of that, uh, and you're like, I'm not sure if we'll do it or not, but we'd like to have some more information. If you can just check the blue box on your Connect card, and for those of you that are on the stream, uh, on your Connect card on the app, if you can just kind of check that blue box as well, then someone will get with you and will get you plugged in uh, to be able to do that. And if you have a great marriage, but you simply want it to get a little bit better, uh, you can do that as well. You know, the reality is, folks, is that perfection is not a requirement to be a part of God's kingdom. And I don't know about you, but the parts of the Bible that encourage me the most are the ones where Jesus chose his disciples. I mean, if you think about it, think about the people that he chose. Uh, When you read it, what you find out very quickly is who he did not choose. He did not choose the spiritual or religious elite. He did not choose the people who are the best looking or the most talented or the most likely to succeed. He chose ordinary, sinful, insecure, sensitive, overly sensitive, sometimes, and imperfect people just like you and me. He chose a few smelly fishermen, a crooked accountant, a political activist, and even a prostitute. And the people that Jesus reached out to and actually asked them to be his friends and to be a part of his ministry were the most unlikely people you would ever think to have the name saint in front of their name. He surrounded himself with the lowest, the poorest, the outcast, the people that No one thought we're good enough. And I don't know about you, but for me, that's what encourages me. So if you've ever had this thought before that you're not enough, or if you've ever had this thought that you didn't quite measure up, if you've ever had this thought that other people look at you and sometimes they say, well, you're not pretty enough, or you're not smart enough, or you're just messed up too much, I want you to know you're a candidate for being a part of Jesus's team because those are the people that he chose he chose the people who were the cheaters the liars the partiers and he chose them because he wanted the world to know perfection was not required if you ever have a feeling that you're not good enough you need to repeat this phrase to yourself nobody's perfect but God will choose me. Nobody's perfect, but God still chose me. Nobody's perfect, but God still chose me. And Jesus actually said this. He said, you didn't choose me, remember. I chose all of you. And folks, Jesus didn't choose you to be perfect. He didn't choose you for perfection. He chose you to be real and to walk through life knowing it's okay not to be okay because there is a God who loves me anyway. So, as we think about joy in our life, we we think about it in such a way that we have to realize there's joy in the world because joy is the author of life. 
Perfection is not required. And then finally, God's love never fails. His love for you never fails. Just before Jesus was crucified on a cross, he gets together this uh, ragtag team of people who are all messed up, who do not have it together whatsoever. And he gives these 12 imperfect people kind of a pep talk. And here's the talk. He says this, A time is coming and has come when you will be scattered, each one to his own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have, what's the next word? What is it? In the balcony, what is it? Trouble. Trouble. Oh, there's one person. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, in this world, you're going to have trouble. The scripture goes on to say, but take heart. In other words, be joy-filled is another translation. I have overcome the world. Now, can I just ask you a question? For those of you that are on the stream right now, here's the question. Have you had any trouble this week? Okay, don't lie. You're watching church. Okay, now let me ask all of you in the auditorium. Have any of you had any trouble this week? Huh? Just raise a hand. Okay, those who don't raise their hand, what do we call them? Liars. That's right. Because we've all had trouble this week, right? And it's so clear that God says, you're going to have trouble, but I'll be with you. You're going to have trouble, but I don't walk away. Sometimes, I think when people become a Christ follower, they have a tendency to say, well, I don't know why I'm having any trouble. I mean, I'm following God. Sometimes I think to myself, I'm a pastor. Why am I having trouble? I mean, is it because God's paying me back for that thing that I did back in college? Well, again, folks, this verse says you're going to have trouble. It proves one thing. If you have trouble, you're alive. Like you're a human being. You're going to have trouble. I mean, when you stop having trouble in this life, you know how you'll know that? Because you'll be in a box and people be walking by and they'll go, oh, doesn't he look so good? He just looks so good. If, if I die tomorrow and you come to my funeral, don't look down into the casket and go, he looks good. No, I don't. I look dead. That's what I look. Okay, laugh. Go like, he looks horrible. You know, I don't care. But something that's fun, joy-filled. Folks, if you don't have trouble, you don't have a pulse. And that's why Jesus said, you know what? You'll have trouble in this world, but I have overcome the world. I have overcome it, and my love will never, ever fail. And because of that, you and I have something to be joyful for today. Now, one of the things that's exciting about today is we have eight people getting baptized. Like we're in a pandemic. There's all this crazy. But people are like, no, 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 we're going to do it. And so these eight people have amazing stories. We'd love to be able to share all their stories to you. But instead, what we ask them to do is simply share about one word of what their story was like before Christ. And then one word, what their story was like after Christ. And I'd like you to check out this video right now. Check it out. When I was young, I had dreams of glory. All these mistakes 
seem to come like a flood Until my days, my days, they were done But I don't want to feel like wishful thinking Pick myself up and move to the beat of my heart and my soul Sing a song called Dreamer You know, folks, I never get tired of changed lives. And I know God is going to do some amazing things in these folks' lives. And uh, you can be a part of that. And the way that you can is by watching this. You can actually watch it on Facebook Live at 1 o'clock today. And uh, for all of you, I want to encourage you to consider uh, just making the time to get on Facebook Live. You just go to uh, the Jar Community Church Facebook at uh, 1 o'clock, and there we will have a way for you to be able to watch this. Now, I'd like to close today by simply asking you this one question. Are you going to choose joy today? Okay, now, you can do a lot better than that, okay? Let me ask it again. Are you going to choose joy today? All right, good, 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 good. Because remember, folks, I mean... They threw a baseball from third base to first base, and the guy caught it, and the world erupted when the Cubs won. And we have something so much better to be able to be joyful about, that there is a God who is the author of joy. He's not requiring perfection for you to be a part of it. And then finally, that His love for you, no matter what you do, will never fail. So is there something for you to be joyful today? Is there? Yes. All right. Well, make your face show that as you go throughout the day uh, as we celebrate what God's done. Now, I'd like to uh, close like we have uh, each week by having you guys simply repeat after me kind of a declaration of action of what we're committing to today. And so simply repeat after me this action statement we have today. This week, I will live in joy because God's love never fails. And I will reach out to others with the joy of the Lord. I will have joy for everyone always. Let's pray. Well, loving God, thank you so much for being the author of joy. Thank you for choosing us in spite of our imperfections. Thank you for reminding us that your love for us, God, never fails. That no matter what we do or what we don't do, you love us no matter what. Help us to remember, God, that it's okay to not be okay and to learn to laugh even at ourselves. Now, for some of you, the truth is you haven't had joy in your life for a while because you've been looking for joy in all the wrong places. And 
for some of you, there's this sense that, well, I'm not good enough. And so I go through most of my life feeling like because I'm not perfect, I can't make it. And God has a way of being able to remind you today, perfection isn't a requirement. He simply wants you to come and to have a relationship with Him. And He will accept you with wide open arms. So I want you to know today that if today is a day where you're ready to commit your life to Christ, or you're ready to renew your life with Him, if you want joy in your life, if you want all of your sins to be forgiven, if you want a new home in heaven, if you want to experience His love, then I'm going to invite you into a prayer. And it's not a prayer that you pray by yourself, but it's a prayer that we all pray together in unison. And I invite you right now to simply repeat this prayer after me. Repeat after me. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Even though I'm not perfect, I give my life completely to you. I receive your joy. Jesus, save me from my sins. Make me brand new. Touch my life. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine.